Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Brian Ware, who's VP of Marketing and Business Development at TransPlace Canada. And today we're going to talk about the Canadian transportation market, strategies for improving costs and service. Now, there are many companies that, you know, have transportation operations, you know, both here as, as, as well as in, uh, in Canada. And uh, as you would expect, you know, the operating realities in, in Canada are not necessarily the same as they are here in the, uh, in the United States. So, you know, what are some of the differences and, you know, what actions can companies take to make sure that they have the most cost efficient and, you know, productive transportation operations uh, in Canada? Well, those are some of just the, the questions that we're going to explore in, in today's uh, episode. And, you know, it's great to have Brian on the program. Obviously, uh, you, you know, based up north and, uh, you know, in the front lines of, of working with, you know, companies uh, up there in Canada, it, it's great to have him on the program to kind of share his insights and perspectives on this topic. So, Brian, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. And real pleasure to be here and, uh, and an honor to be your very first uh, representative from the Canadian market. Uh, the winter wonderland, as, as we call it, although it's almost 100 degrees here today, so uh, uh, nice to be here. So yes, my, uh, my current role is uh, uh, leading the business solutions group, uh, which includes the strategic account management group and the solutions development group here at Transplace Canada. Um, our offices are located in Oakville, which is about 20 minutes west of Toronto, um, and so we're, we're fairly close to one of the largest urban centers in, uh, in North America. I'm not going to disappoint you. Um, uh, I'm not, I've seen many of your other past guests have said to you that they did not come from the supply chain and logistics background. Um, I am no different than them. <laughs> I actually, uh, I, uh, left, uh, I started uh, with a general arts degree, uh, in school and uh, moved on to manage movie theaters, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, I, st I started on a management training program with a national movie chain, uh, and then very quickly got recruited by a, a movie studio distribution company, uh, Warner Brothers Pictures out of Burbank. And I worked for them uh, happily for nine years until uh, the bottom fell out of the DVD market. And I started thinking about, well, what am I gonna do next? Am I gonna get more into, you know, maybe the, 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 the theatrical side or, or, you know, get into agency side of things. And a friend of mine introduced me to a company called Versicle Logistics, which I'm sure you've heard of and many of your listen, listeners have heard of. And that was an interesting introduction to me because it really opened my eyes up to uh, not only supply chain and logistic, but the project management that I had been involved in uh, throughout my career um, and that had elements of, uh, of logistics within them. Um, and so I was introduced to Versicold at a, at a critical time. They were, for the first time in almost 50 years, being managed uh, solely within Canada. And I led their business solutions group. A uh, lot of development in Lean Six Sigma, uh, very concentrated learnings in warehouse and transportation operations. And then in 2011, I took on their uh, 4PL services and distribution group uh, running ice cream for, uh, for Unilever uh, in the province of Quebec, which was a ton of fun and a, and a great learning experience for me. Uh, I was there for several years and then moved to a uh, 4PL uh, services company uh, in Oakville called Lakeside Logistics, uh, very focused on strategic partnerships and transportation 
management uh, with across many different verticals. And then at the, I had the good fortune to be on the team that, uh, that looked when the owner of 30 years uh, looked to sell the business. Um, and at the beginning of 2016, I was one of the few uh, members of the leadership team that um, got to take uh, the meetings with potential suitors and right from the very beginning, Transplace distinguished themselves as, uh, as a market leader and a really good fit for, uh, for our company. So we were acquired by Transplace uh, in 2016, and their core services uh, are, were no different than Lakeside's, uh, heavy focus and managed transportation services, um, a robust technology uh, TMS, uh, heavy, uh, strong brokerage operation, intermodal, and uh, custom services across North America. So we were a strategic acquisition for them, and I can say now after eight months, I'm really happy to be at, uh, at Transplace. Well, that, that is quite a, uh, quite a career path, and I think you, you do get the, uh, the prize because I don't think anybody has uh, been on the program that started out in the movie business. Uh, <laughs> And so, so you know, movies to you know, ice cream and 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 logistics. The, you know, it is quite a quite an evolution. But uh, I think you made a good uh, a good career path here because obviously, you know, there's so much uh, opportunity and excitement going on in this industry that uh, you know, if you enjoy it and, and you love uh, you know uh, excitement and challenges every day, this is certainly the uh, the industry to be in, right? People don't believe me, but this is actually more exciting than my uh, my 12 years in film and entertainment ever was. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the topic now. And, uh, you, you know, with, with let, let's start with just an overview of the Canadian, you know, transportation market. I mean, you know, how big is it? And, you know, what are some of the character, you know, uh, defining characteristics, you know, especially compared to the U.S.? Well, that's a that's a great question. So the, the Canadian market is, uh, well, the country itself geographically is the second largest country in the world. Um, that being said, we're also the 10th largest economy in the world. Um, and all of that sounds great. The only, the only challenge is, is that we have a, a small population, only 36.5 million people uh, in Canada. And of that, there's very little density across the country. You, the U.S. has a uh, a wonderful infrastructural uh, infrastructure of interstates and, and highways, etc. We have one long flat highway uh, across the the bottom of the country, uh, and about eighty five percent of our population lives within one hundred and fifty miles of the U.S. border. Um, that's not to say, you know, obviously the fifteen, the other fifteen percent are spread across uh, uh, rural Canada. So it's a it's a difficult market to service. Uh, especially rural areas, um, and the most amount of our urban density is spread across five major cities, obviously Toronto, uh, Montreal, Vancouver, uh, Calgary, and Edmonton would be the five. Um, from a transportation industry standpoint, um, it's tough to get Canadian-only data, um, but we have five or six different sources of that data um, roughly from a transportation standpoint, there's about 45 to $55 billion in the transportation spend. Uh, that's not including, obviously, value of goods, et cetera. And, it's, and that's uh, 2015 numbers. And it's an industry that's growing quite heavily. It's growing faster than oil and gas, faster than health and pharma. And so in 2000, 
2016, for instance, it grew by 3.1%, which is heavier than virtually all other industries in Canada. Um, about 90% of our uh, consumer packaged goods are transported by truck, uh, even though we do have um, um, our access to rail um, across the country, but most, most of our goods are delivered by truck. And there's probably about 900,000 uh, that work in uh, supply chain in Canada. So it's a, it's a heavy figure. Um, and about 1.5% of them are truck drivers. Um, so uh, uh, a fairly interesting statistic. In 2016, what we call interprovincial trade, and, and my geographic scope or here in Transplace Canada, we do the T, so domestic Canada and northbound, southbound from the U.S. Um, interprovincial trade was valued at about $170 billion. And the value of transportation traffic between the U.S. and Canada last year uh, exceeded 380 billion. So uh, quite a robust market, and um, and very heavily tied to to the U.S. Right, right. Well, those, those are some interesting statistics, and especially when you think about kind of uh, like like you said, the the geographic size of Canada, but then the fact that you know the uh, the density of it, you know, is really concentrated on you know just you know, those five cities, if you will, those five areas. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, obviously, there's a lot of uh, a trade going on between the U.S. And, and, and Canada as well that, you know, contributes to the, uh, the overall flavor, if you will, of, of the uh, transportation market there. Um, so with all that in, 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 in as, as context, I mean, when it comes to transporting goods, you know, across Canada, right, uh, and between Canada and the U.S. I mean, what, what are some of the, the main challenges that, that companies face there? Well, the challenges wouldn't be much different than your uh, less densely populated areas of the U.S. Uh, cost is a big uh, component of any uh, com uh, company's supply chain. Uh, shipment sizes are smaller, which means we're relying uh, heavily on LTL transportation. Obviously, LTL is is notoriously more expensive than uh, than truckload uh, by pallet than, than truckload costs. So obviously, cost would be one of those challenges. Second would be service. Um, so because we're working with LTL service, um, they are notoriously uh, unreliable. It can be notoriously unreliable, especially when we're looking at cross border. Um, because uh, Canadian carriers, for instance, will partner with U.S. carriers, and uh, and that LTL service uh, will mean that often we're not hitting the requested arrival date uh, that customers have uh, have requested. And the third that doesn't come up very often, I would say, would be uh, production volatility. Um, so we do a lot of work for U.S. companies that are manufacturing in the U.S. and are looking to service to the Canadian market. But obviously, with you know, we're, we're a bilingual country. Packaging is different, and and the standards on 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 packages are different. Which means often the Canadian run is the end of a production line. Um, so the Canadian consumer is heavily dependent on. Uh, the U.S. production schedule, and because we're at the end of the line, it can mean uh, a lot of volatility within a week. Generally, in markets of the U.S. that are, are are not close to densely populated areas, and you know this, that U.S. manufacturing can be in some very rural communities. So, pulling uh, trucks or getting trucks in and drivers into those areas 
to pull out on a volatile, uh, unbalanced daily schedule can be uh, can be a challenge, and obviously uh, add uh, add cost into the network. Yeah, no, interesting, interesting, especially with the you know the the reliance on on LTL, you, you know, because that has kind of a ripple effect not only on the cost but also kind of on on the visibility, uh, on the ability to. Uh, uh, react, you know, much more, you know, flexibly, if you will, uh, to to some of those fluctuations that you know that that you were talking about there. I mean, uh, you know, here in the U.S., uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of discussion about you know there being a driver shortage and you know the impact of, of regulations such as hours of service and el, you know, the ELD mandate. Um, you know, do similar challenges uh, exist there in Canada when it comes to kind of the the driver pool and, and regulations? Absolutely. Uh, and, and in fact, given that we're a market that's about one-tenth the size of the U.S., uh, from a transportation standpoint, we generally take our, uh, our regulatory um, uh, cues from the U.S. market. So uh, ELDs have been mandated across Canada. We will be going live with that uh, in December of this year. Uh, and although there is talk about a potential delay, at least last I heard, a congressional delay, uh, south, south of the border, there's almost certainly going to be an impact. Um, you can't go very far on the internet without finding all sorts of experts and smarter people than me that have got dozens and dozens of white papers on what uh, what the driver shortage and hours of service and ELDs are going to have an impact. The one that I would see is 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 impacting us uh, the most would be I believe carriers are going to have to look at the way they compensate their drivers and there's going to have to be a review on that uh, especially in our cross-border business so for instance in our TM operation here in Oakville about 60% of our activities is are cross-border and that means for a driver for instance it's getting paid by the mile that stop at the border stop at consignee number one maybe number two maybe number three the they're not getting paid uh, time is their enemy is, is, is definitely not on their side. So it will impact how much a driver can earn. So I would expect carers to start looking at how they're compensating their drivers, uh, especially if they want to work with companies such as mine to build dynamic multi-stop loads into the U.S. Well, well, let's let's say, so, so, that, so that's great. So it sounds like similar, um, you, you know, dynamics there and considerations there when it comes to drivers, when it comes to uh, to, to regulations. Um, and, and like you said, at the end of the day, you know, from a transportation professional standpoint, it's, it's always about, you know, balancing, you know, costs and service. And, and obviously, more and more these days, you know, when you look at things like Walmart and on time in full and things like that, it's also doing that within tighter uh, and more stringent customer customer requirements. So I think that's kind of a universal <laughs> requirement, regardless whether you're, you're here in the U.S. or Canada or, or other parts of the, uh, of the world. Uh, so, so let's talk now about some of the actions that you know shippers can take to improve both cost and, and service. Starting with cost, I mean, what what are you know what what are some of the savings opportunities available? Um, you know that that shippers should be thinking about or in terms of implementing. Well, that's uh, that's a great question, and that is actually our primary focus here at uh, at Transplace in this office. Is there are savings that come from reducing raised rates, reducing costs, and rate compression. Um, you know, partnering with a company like ours, like Transplace, um, you know, we'll have $150 million spend here in Canada uh, and about a $6.5 billion spend across U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So working with a company like us, 
uh, can help compress those rates and generate some savings. But to be honest, the 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 cost of a truck is is really not where you're getting your biggest bang for your buck. And I've often said that it's the decisions that are made in rooms not unlike this one or not unlike uh, yours where that strategically affect the network that are driving the costs into the network. So what we try to do here at, at TransPlace is take a look at what some of those strategic decisions might be uh, in order to in, in order to drive those savings. So one of them might be how do we look at consolidating shipments, uh, consolidating smaller shipments into larger shipments where we're going into the same region or even the same uh, consignee in the same week, how do we effectively build loads as full as we can uh, to minimize those LTL costs and, and ultimately pull trucks out of the network. Um, the second thing and something we've been very successful here in Canada is what we call commingling. A lot of people might refer to it as collaborative loading, um, but we can look to to like customers in that same uh, in that same vein where they're looking to go to the same areas and say, you're going to Walmart in Alberta or Metro or Sophie's, et cetera, and I have two or three baked goods customers, for example, uh, I can potentially work with them, develop a sailing schedule uh, where their customer would not see an impact in lead time, but have set delivery days, set ship days, and then work with the appointment times of the consignees to get to build dynamic multi-stop truckloads, uh, whether it be into Western Canada, where there's less density, or into the U.S. Um, that has been tremendously successful for us, and, uh, and what we'll do is then track those savings to the pallet and look to pass those LTL savings back over to, to our customers. So it's been very, um, been very productive in that. And then there's all sorts of other um, savings that come at an even higher level than that. Are there um, full-time equivalent or resource resources that can be either reduced, eliminated, or reallocated through process improvement, uh, through technology? Um, you know, for our TMS, for instance, has a uh, has a module that will go out and make appointments very quickly through our, our customers' customers' websites. Uh, rather than having people banging the phones doing that, our, our, um, our TMS can get in there quicker than, a, uh, quicker than an individual and, and do that more efficiently, which would be just uh, one example. But then also looking at the larger network costs. We've, uh, we've had a lot of success eliminating distribution centers, for instance, just through that process that I just discussed. As we build a multi-stop truckload to the west, for instance, there isn't a need to have a distribution center in Calgary, Vancouver, or Edmonton to support the customers that are in those area when we've demonstrated that we can deliver to the same schedule at a lower cost um, just by dynamically load building. Um, so that would, you know, and so the reduction of external uh, uh, DCs would be um, uh, quite significant uh, uh, reduction of cost. Here at TransPlace, we'd look to begin working with our customers on a benchmarking study uh, to understand, ideally, get a sense of what the last 12 trailing months have uh, looked like from a, a shipment uh, cost and shipment profile standpoint, and then look at the order process and order flow and current state 
to get an understanding of the magnitude of savings. And then, and then frankly, we have to present a change management plan that's almost inevitably required to execute those savings. And so that's just a, a handful of ways that we can strategically look to reduce costs in a transportation network. Yeah, you know the, uh, the the commingling or the collaborative, you know, shipping is is, is very interesting because I mean that that's something that you know has been talked about for for a long, long time. But you know, historically, it's been kind of challenging to kind of operationalize, if you will. Um, so 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 it's great that it's it seems like you've had more success up north than perhaps uh, you know here here in the U.S. Although I, I am beginning to see over the past few years, just because I think a lot of companies are recognizing that in order to you know better manage their costs as well as meet these customer requirements, you, you know, they, they have to finally start walking the talk when it comes to uh, collaboration or, 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 you know, bringing down some of those barriers that, that they had uh, resistance that they had, you know, to this moving forward. So, so in, in kind of the examples that, that, you know, some of the companies that you work with that are doing this, I mean, is, is it typically, you know, two shippers that tend to do this or be put, put together multiple shippers as part of a, a multi-stop truckload? Uh, uh, what's kind of the flavor there? How, how does that get started? So, well, first off, you have to get buy-in from uh, from the customers. So there isn't any uh, overarching competitive intelligence concerns. Uh, and then, and, and it really starts with us presenting, look, you know, our, our, our history around uh, co-bingling, how we would track savings. But frankly, everybody's got a little bit of skin in the game. It means that we may bring customer A's product over to customer B's warehouse, they may have to resequence. There are added touches going on uh, as we build that truckload. Typically, we're doing it with two customers. We have done it with three and even four, uh, depending on the size of the shipment. Two is ideal. Um, and everybody understands a sort of risk versus reward in it because there is an element uh, of risk, albeit small, uh, but the rewards are quite, are, are quite high, and, and we've been able to demonstrate that pretty much over the last five years. Um, and an example of that is even very recently in our organization, uh, we're 18 months into a new relationship with a frozen uh, CBG manufacturer who has just started commingling with us and, uh, and elim frankly eliminated their, their warehouse in Western Canada. And as this has become a uh, continuous improvement initiative to add even additional savings uh, back into their transportation network. So, uh, but you're absolutely right. Operationalizing uh, that is uh, key. And again, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, we have a very structured uh, team approach to uh, how we would work with our customers to, in order to, to make that work. It's definitely not a day one thing. It's a phase two, phase three, phase four uh, initiative that we'd like to present. Right. Well, and when you compare the savings, I mean, you're comparing it to what, what would have, cost if it, if it went LTL and right. just them. Right. And then I think, I mean, I think what's interesting is, you know, the opportunity to, you know, eliminate a distribution center, you know, so I mean, that's, you know, in some ways, maybe that's even more, more of a cost savings from that side of it in itself than, you know, the, the savings on the transportation front. And, and customer and, and absolutely that has been huge. And, and, and a customer who's already paying a truckload rate, for instance, with 23 pallets, uh, 23 pallets, has got room for seven. So if I come along with a customer with seven pallets to put on the on the tail, hey, wait, I just got a, a, a percentage, a big decrease on my truckload spend. And you'll never get that going to market. So 
um, yeah, it's it's been a, it's an exciting uh, point of service here and point of part of the the value that we add to our customers. Great, great, great examples there. So, so when it so when it comes to the kind of the service improvement side of things, so I mean, obviously, a lot of uh, uh, things you just talked about obviously impact the cost side of things. But when we talk about the service improvement side of things, I mean, what what processes or capabilities you know should you know should companies implement to make sure that they're you know driving continuous improvement and they're meeting the service uh, obligations? So that is a, a great question um, because somebody very early on in my career told me that you cannot manage what you do not measure. And, and I would say definitely it's three words, metrics, metrics, metrics. This is a big thing for us here. Um, we have a Transplace over 200 Greenbelt lean, uh, uh, lean certified uh, um, people within our organization. And even here in this office, I've got every one of my staff from the leadership team all the way down to the most junior logistics coordinator is at minimum Yellow Belt certified. And the whole point around that is uh, is under creating flow, eliminating waste within an organization, and the only way you do that is by measuring. So we look to our technology to provide real-time visibility, review our on-time performance and any RAD compliance, our requested arrival date compliance, uh, very big on scorecards, collaboratively, collaboratively developing scorecards with our customers, whether it be weekly or monthly or bi-monthly, we have robust uh, business review framework, which I'm a big believer in. We've had a ton of success around it. Um, and of course, the conversation between business review is also very important. But every business review that we conduct here is, is focused not only on metrics and key performance indicators, but ongoing and continuous improvement initiatives, because that's what we live our life by. It's never being self-satisfied and always looking for a way to improve upon it and bring up on the, our customers' networks and, and generate those those costs and service increasing uh, activities. Right, right, and uh, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I, I started my career in in manufacturing and, and new product development, and over at Motorola. And Motorola was, you know, lean Six Sigma. You know, they're they kind of like the grandfather or, or uh, of that whole uh, you know methodology there, if you will. Um, so, so I'm I'm a, I'm a firm believer, you know, in, in that as well. Um, you know, I think part of the challenge is uh, is knowing you know what to measure, knowing what doesn't need to be measured. Uh, and there's some things that you probably can't measure, but you know that are important anyway that you have to keep a track of somehow, whether it's just through conversation, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is such a thing as analysis paralysis. You can, you can, everyone talks about big data, but also little data is really important too, uh, because you can get sort of caught up in the wave of uh, what's important and really what should I be looking at? And uh, so our engineering services group and, and our strategic account management team is is, is well-focused on working with customers on uh, what they should and should not be uh, looking at and where they're, where they're going to see the value and, uh, and the impact of the improvements. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, Brian, we're kind of running short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my, my last question here. I mean, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what questions should, you know, shippers ask themselves to assess, uh, you know, whether they're taking the most effective approach to, you know, managing, you know, their Canadian transportation operations? Oh, my goodness. Um, there are so many. <laughs> there's so many questions. Um, well, I, I'd say first is visibility. So, um, I, I would think that any company would want to ask themselves, do they, do they have a full visibility to their 
their their complete landed costs for the goods that they're shipping. And I say complete, meaning not just base transportation and fuel, uh, but also your accessorials, also the goods that are coming in prepaid from your vendors on your inbound program. What about fines and penalties associated with service-related non-compliance, which is, which is very important. Getting a, a true picture of the cost of your network is, is really important. So first question would be is, do I have that visibility? Uh, and then I would think that the second would be, does my current technology, my current TMS uh, technology provide me with um, the overarching business intelligence that I need to make fact-based decisions in my network? Um, you know, a, a good TMS will give you that day-to-day uh, operational view of your network, but a great one is going to give you um, that higher strategic, more macro view uh, of your overall network and, and giving our customers those facts and, and, and are you getting those facts in order to be able to make those decisions? So that would be um, my second question. And I suppose in the law of threes, if I were going to add a, a third question, the, the third question would be, are you open to considering new ways of doing things? Um, um, you know, much like we try to foster a culture here at Transplace and uh, as a, as a, sort of bastion of continuous improvement. We're always looking for new ways of doing things. Is that the culture in your organization? Are you looking for, are new ideas encouraged? Are they applauded? Are they rewarded? Um, and, and it would be ideas across the, the three, you know, cliches of people and process and technology. Am I Am I getting new ideas, and I and I am I generating them, or am I looking to my organization to bring me new ideas? I think those would be three important questions that shippers should ask themselves. Yeah, and I particularly love that last one. Um, you know, I wrote a post recently that um, has gotten a, you know some good some good responses called "Unlearning Supply Chain Management," right. and the whole point there being is you know. Uh, you know, particularly with everything that's going on in the industry overall, whether it's from customer requirements to changes in technology to, you know, the regulatory environment to the competitive environment, you, you know, uh, I think the recognition is that, uh, you know, companies have to embrace change and embrace different ways of doing things um, and kind of move away from this, from that mentality of, well, this is always, this is the way we've always done things because that's just not going to get you you know, where, where you need to go. So I, I think asking that question, I think, is uh, particularly important. I, I think the other dimension to that, I think from your, from your standpoint, meaning from a, a third-party logistics provider standpoint, is obviously if that's, a, if, that, if that's the type of culture that you have within your own organization, that's the type of culture you want to see in your prospective customers as well. Because if, if they're not aligned with that culture of continuous improvement, uh, let's say lean and, 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 and that type of uh, thinking, then they, they may not be the right customer fit, right? Absolutely. And you know, honestly, you know, I've driven through Missouri, so show me. Show me. <laughs> you know, and, and, and if I'm the customer, I, I need to see how that's going to impact my, uh, my business, uh, not just in words. And, and everybody is, has heard the sales approach, et cetera. But honestly, with facts and put your money where your mouth is, show me how uh, – these changes can impact our, our, our business for the better. It's an important function of, of my team to be able to demonstrate that. Uh, and to your point, there is a lot more pressure coming out in the market. We've been hearing 
this for probably 15 years that we all need to be looking to do things differently. But we're now being compelled by our customers and by our customers' customers in order to differentiate ourselves uh, through this whole commoditization of everything. How do we differentiate ourselves? And that is a big, a big way of doing it is, look, we're, we're going to be looking at new ways of doing things. There may be some discomfort in the beginning, but you can lean on a skill set uh, such as the one we have at Transplace to help get you through with a well-defined change management plan. So uh, it's a really exciting time to be in supply chain, never boring, and I wouldn't look back to my previous career for a second. Great, great. Well, with that, Brian, I think, uh, you know, like I always say at the end of all our programs, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on these topics, but I think you provided some great insight into kind of the Canadian market uh, and some great, uh, you know, insights and advice and, and recommendations on, you know, how to best, uh, you know, approach your operations to drive cost improvements and, and service improvements, you know, along the way. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. A pleasure being here. Thanks, Adrian. Great. And uh, thank you uh, to, to those of you who joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode uh, on demand at the Transplace website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Brian, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure that he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.